Well, how many of you guys ever feel stuck or you can't get breakthrough or this just this stinking thinking just like keeps stuck in our minds? I mean, we all, we all have these things. And, um, and yeah, so we're going to look today at Paul's journey. This comes out of, you can read it from Acts 21 up to the end, Acts 28. And Paul was basically on his, um, he went to preach the gospel in Jerusalem. And in the, he went to the synagogue. And then these guys just started saying false accusations about him. A mob reached out to him and wanted to kill him. And um, then the, the Roman centurions took him and actually put him in, in prison just to protect his life. And then um, his, his, um, his nephew heard about um, that these, these mob of people, when he was going to stand before, before the, um, the, the, what's it, the centurion, um, no, centurion, um, they had 40 guys had made an oath to God and to each other that they were going to go and just kill Paul as he was going to whatever. And his nephew got word of this, told Paul, and then Paul said to the Roman uh, soldiers, listen to him. And then that evening, a whole bunch of military took him to um, uh, Caesarea. Is that right? Yeah. Caesarea. Can you turn to the next slide? So like you guys can see like an image. So he moved there. And he ended up, uh, the governor was, his name was Felix. And his wife was a Jew. And there was a case put before him. The case was... It wasn't a, a criminal case, it was just a, a religious thing, and there was no evidence to, to, to convict him. So anyway, he, was very, he wanted to please the, the Jews, didn't want to cause chaos, so he kept in, him in jail for two years. He was just under, under arrest, waiting trial. Then there's a, there was a new guy that came in, and his name was Felix, so only when the regimes changed did he get another kind of chance. Um, and uh, then he was, he was trialed, and... Um, and basically, he thought, I'm not going to get out of this. And then he appealed to Caesar to speak before Caesar with his Roman rights. But just as he got in the, 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 the thing, in, um, the prison in Jerusalem, in, uh, in Acts 23, verse 11, it says, The following night, so that's just when the mob hit him, it said, The following night, the Lord stood, stood near Paul and said, Take courage, as you, as you have testified about me in Jerusalem. So you must also testify in Rome. And, and God wanted Paul to preach before Caesar the gospel. Paul got an opportunity to preach the gospel in front of all the Jews, the Mecca, main place of, uh, of Judaism, and he got to share the gospel with them. He left, but God said, you're going to, to, um, uh, to Rome to, to preach. So his mission was Rome. So we see that, look at his journey to Rome. And his journey to Rome was very challenging. But we're going to take up the story now where, where he was, the ship was supposed to go there. But with all the winds and storms, he ended up hitting, hitting Malta. Um, so all of us, God calls us, he puts us in his heart to a certain place. He says, you're going there, you're doing that. You know, he puts these dreams in our hearts. But what happens is all of us hit Malta's. 
And, um, and I want to share this morning about, uh, about often we hit Malta, but we, we miss Malta, the transformation that God wants to do. Um, so I'm going to share just four, four thoughts to bring, to help bring transformation to our thinking so that we can, um, we can not miss Malta, get the fullness of Malta and actually be who God has called us to be and get that upgrade and transformation as well. So let's go to the first slide, this imaging. So Paul's on his way and uh, they, they hit a storm. And the thought I want to share as we're going to go through the scripture and get into some points is we in our lives need to expect storms. We need to expect storms. So go to the, um, <clears throat> the, next, chap- the next one, please. So, so we see this passage in, um, in Acts 27. Now, Acts 27, verse 30 to 38, it's kind of coming out of that whole um, part, but just because of the time's sake, I'm, I'm just going to read that, this particular one. Then the sailors tried to abandon the ship. They lowered the lifeboat as though they were going to put out anchors um, from the front of the ship. But Paul said to the commanding officer and shoulders, soldiers, you will die unless the stay, sailors stay on board. So the soldiers cut the ropes to the lifeboat and let it drift away. And this is like these sailors, obviously, they knew how to do the lifeboat and get away. And they said, I'm getting out of here. And how many of us, we want to, uh, you know, when the boat gets rocky and the storms come, we want to quit. We want to jump off and find the lifeboat, right? Um, But actually, there's some, God doesn't want us to get off the lifeboat. Because in order to get to Rome and and see what, we need to stay in the storm. And um, go to the next slide. Thanks. So expect storms. The first thing is that we need to expect a storm. In this life, like Josh said, we will have troubles. In this life, we will be, there will be full of storms in our lives. So if we make peace with storms, when the storm comes, we don't quit. And we need to live with right expectations that storms are part of our lives. I think the challenges in our lives is that the reason why we live in disappointment, the reason why we quit is because our expectations are wrong. We get married and... There's challenges, but we expected this perfect life. So now when this thing's not perfect and there's a storm, what do we do? We quit. But actually, life is full of storms. There's a, a secular word called life quakes. Uh, if you look in secular studies, there's, and there's generally um, three to four. If you live a full life, there's definitely three to four life quakes quakes that will happen in your life. And then they say about 30, what's it, 40 to 50 disturbances that kind of like last about six months. But a, a life quake will literally last anywhere from two to four years, and it literally reshapes your life. And when we get in these storms, it's like, this is normal. Because we look at this thing and we go, there's a storm, well, it's a mess. But if we say, our expectations is people are going to let me down, but that's fine. That's going to happen. The minute our expectations are realistic, when we get in the storm, we search God. We know on the other side of the storms and that, 
room is waiting. Amen. The, the next, uh, and because we have an expectation that these things will happen when they happen, we can have radical hope and faith. Radical hope and faith. Not if our expectations are wrong, we become cynical and withdraw. But if our expectations are right, we rise up in hope and faith that God is going to work this out for our glory. And then the next one is to, to be okay. No, no, sorry. The last guy. To be okay with peace. To be, uh, be okay and make peace with uncertainty. And I think this, the Western society we live in, it's all about everything. One plus one equals two. And uh, I, need, I, can, I need to control my, my, my world. I know that South Africa and the whole world speaks about the American dream. The American dream is if I just put in uh, enough, I can get out, you know. But the reality in life, that's not it. And, um, and we need to make peace. With life is uncertain. But we have a certain God in an uncertain world. And bailing from the storm... We miss the, the certainty of God because we're reliant on, our, on ourselves and, uh, and it just never works. Um, so when we make peace with that, got a bit of a testimony on this. Um, um, I'm an epileptic and, uh, well, I'm uh, trusting God to not be, but currently, um, and I had it since I was 11 years old. But my, my seizures were, were very controlled in my adulthood when I was in South Africa. Maybe every two and a half to four years, I would have a seizure. So every time I had a seizure, it would be like, oh, I thought I was getting over this, you know. Um, but in November 20, uh, 2019, we hosted that evangelism summit. The, 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 the Monday I had a seizure, I flew out of the shower, I cut my... Um, head open, had staples, and um, then four weeks later, I had another one, which was very rare. That was like a first. Two months later, first week in lockdown, I had a seizure. Um, four weeks later, I had another one, and then my wife, it was very hard for her, and she, she developed PTSD from that, and, um, you know, for her, it was really tough to make it even through the day, you know, um, so... Yeah, so we kind of went through this process. Uh, I changed meds. We went on, uh, on, on holiday. We took a, a little um, health sabbatical for three months and uh, came back. Um, oh, sorry, and then and we went on holiday in July, and we were just uh, Annecy, enjoying the lake. You know, went to Marseille to visit my friend and thought, wow, praise God. You know, that was a, that was a hectic season, but, but God is faithful, you know. We're out of that. On holiday, I wake up the one morning, I have a seizure, but then I have another seizure not long after that. Then I wake up, and there's the paramedics in the room. And that just started something completely new where I had to now adjust to this. I went, came back into ministry in September. At the end of September, I had a seizure, then I had another seizure, then another one, and I ended up waking up, and I was in the emergency ward, and... Um, that was just a, a super traumatic moment because I literally, then I had another seizure and um, 
yeah, and then there was people in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the emergency ward that were like screaming and saying words, and I realized that they had come from mental institutions. But I was like so out of it, you know, when there's this, all this hectic stuff, you can, you're trying to say, can we bring some audio? But I was like, like out of it, and I just heard this chaos, you know. And it really took me a while to recover emotionally, spiritually, just um, from that. I really just... Um, yeah, just really, it was really like a, just a low part of, uh, of, of, of my life, you know, just, and as I started, as I started, um, as I started coming back into that, you know, it just started getting worse and worse, and, uh, um, and obviously my wife had to now live with, with her recovering PTSD, but the one thing with PTSD, it's an event that happens that event stops and then you have to process with it. But when the event's continuous and your, your, your spouse that you love the most is the one that's causing the anxiety, it just becomes a different dimension totally. Um, so having to learn to live with that. So as that kind of came, as that was happening, you know, life just, it was kind of almost becoming beyond a storm, you know? <laughs> In a sense, and uh, and that's the, the the next the next point I want to take us to is that, you know, we have storms, but then there's another another thing we get is we get shipwrecks, you know, where literally things fall apart. Do you want to go to the next uh, the next slide, please? So we hit a shipwreck. So that's um, <clears throat> let's go to the next um, the next one, the, the verse. I'm going to just read the the again a uh, uh, a part of it. So in Acts, uh, in Acts 27, um, it says the bow of the ship, this is when they were going, basically what they were doing is they hit this wind, they saw land, and uh, they cut the anchors and that, and they went for, uh, for, for shore for the land. And then as they got there, they, they kind of hit the sandbank, which you'd see, we're going to see here. So the bow of the ship um, stuck fast with the stern, was repeatedly smashed by the force. Um, the waves uh, of the waves and began to break apart. The, the soldiers wanted to kill the prisoners uh, to make sure they didn't swim ashore and escape. But the commanding officer wanted to spare Paul. It's amazing. One guy's life helps many. Um, so he didn't, he didn't let them carry out their plan. Then he ordered all who could swim to jump over, overboard first and make the land, and the others held onto the planks and the debris from the broken ship. So everyone escaped to the sh uh, safely to the shore. And there were 290 or something of them on the ship. And they all made it. But our God is just even speaking to Paul on the journey. You know, don't anchor, don't do life, we'll make it. Because what did God say to Paul in Acts 23? You've preached before in Jerusalem, Paul Jews. And you are going to preach in Rome, right? I mean, look at this. Eh? The boat crashed, everything. And if you look at these guys, these were sailors that had ships, businessmen that said they had to get rid of their, their grains. That was money they were going to sell. That was money they were going to make in Rome. And, um, and it was really windy parts of the year. So the guys who sailed were really people of courage and obviously made more money. So that's people's livelihood. That's people's, their world, you know, just um, messed up. There's a lot of collateral damage through this. So, 
Um, what is what is like a, the next point? What is a what is a shipwreck look like in our lives, and what are the things that God wants to give us for that upgrade? So a shipwreck really feels like your your world is falling apart. It kind of literally is. Um, it literally has fallen apart. Um, but the, the thing God calls us to with a, with a shipwreck is to surrender and let go. You know, we hit this thing, everything's fallen apart, and then we're trying to think of what was, what we're missing, but the reality is the ship's broken. And the place God wants us to get to is to surrender. And just to let go and saying, Lord, your nature and character is good. You're not surprised by my shipwreck, but there's something you want to do in this. And the sooner we get to that process uh, mentally, spiritually, and I was the minute, it's, it's a, the place we can really start understanding where God is. Because he's always there, right? But when our life's falling apart, we can't see him. We can't feel him. And, but he's there. But letting go of the old and saying, okay, Lord, what is the new? Is that important process of a shipwreck? So accepting the loss and looking where he is at work. But you can't see where God is at work in your life if you don't let go of what's broken in your life. We have to let go of the old to see what he's doing in the new. Um, the next one is, the next, next one is, the, the ship is very often our security. Because this is what God loves doing. You know, we use the ship to get to Rome, but the reality is, if this ship gets us to Rome, we're actually gonna be living one foot in God and one foot in our abilities, capabilities, and flesh. But when the ship breaks, when the ship completely breaks, we realize where our security lies. <laughs> and then it's an opportunity to really make Jesus Lord of your life. Because when your ship breaks, you feel inadequate. You feel like a loser. You feel like you've got nothing to add. But you've got an opportunity where Jesus can truly be king of your, of your life. And like it says in James 1, consider it pure joy is my brother when facing trials of many kinds. Because the testing of your faith develops patience, perseverance, and that must finish its work so that you may be mature, complete, not lacking anything. If anyone lacks wisdom, he should ask God because he gives generously without finding fault. What is wisdom? Wisdom is the knowledge we know applied and the only way the knowledge, the head knowledge of the Bible or whatever is applied is when, like James says, we have trials. So when we have expectations that storms are coming, shipwrecks are coming, we can be like James, consider it joy. Because this testing of my faith is going to develop something in me that's going to be glorious, that I'm going to be mature, that I'm going to be something to the world and to my family and to my workplace that I could never have been without this, without this shipwreck. So we have storms in our lives, but sometimes we have shipwrecks. But if we have right perspective, 
right expectation, we can embrace it. It's not easy. It's emotionally tough. But if we, if we, if we expect it, that people are going to be loyal to us and love us, people are going to let us down, and all that thing in between, we can be who God has call, fully called us to be and embrace the reality of what we're going to face in this fallen world until Christ comes. Um, so, so yeah, just with, um, so just like with my thing is that I just had to, just had to really, um, just more and more, um, let go. I it was, when was it? January 20, 2021. 20, I had to actually, um, the, cause Christmas Eve I had two seizures. I was in the ambulance because um, now I have this new cluster seizure, every time I had it, they said in France, I need to call the paramedics and go to the hospital. So you sit there five to eight hours, you know, on a bed in a corridor because overloaded. Um, and um, so I was obviously creating so much anxiety because the reality is when a ship breaks or when your life breaks, it's got collateral damage, right? So like my condition was bringing insecurity and challenges to those around me because they didn't know how to control it. You know, it was like kind of what's happening. So I went and visited a friend of mine in the, the west of France, and that was like a hectic, because now I'm like a year prior to that, I was, yeah, um, you know, raising support for my family and the mission of God. And um, a year later, I was sitting in the west of France, in the Brittany area, giving my wife a break from me, you know, <laughs> from the, the stress that I was creating and just kind of giving a break. Now, that's like, that's not cool, you know. You, in, in, your, in your manhood, you go from, like, what you feel hero to, like, zero. I don't know if they say that, yeah. And, um, and I think, you know, that's, that's the, the, the place you're in and, like, trying to, Trying to feel a bit sorry for yourself, but you realize that sorry for yourself is not gonna is not gonna change the the situation and, and, and the perspective. So, you know, just learning that um, um, learning to to walk with God. And the reality is, we have these we have these emotions and disappointments. But you know, these are things that, that it's not our inheritance. It's a season, you know. Um, and how we work through these emotions and work through it and wrestle with God. That's why Jesus said in, uh, in, in Matthew 5 when he spoke about the Beatitudes, he says, blessed are those who mourn for they'll be comforted. And the reality is if we don't mourn properly and bring our emotions to God properly, we never receive the comfort of God out of that, you know. And that's the thing with a father. He just doesn't want to be this God that's distant and up there and that's religious. He wants to be an intimate father in every part of our lives. But where he really kind of, where we really find his intimacy is when the shipwrecks in our lives, you know, and we really have to press, press into him. So, so that was really a, a place where, where faith, like deep down in your subconscious theology, you believe God is, you know, God is, God is good because, and good things happen, you know. But when bad things happen, God is good still. Bad doesn't equal sin or bad God. How can you do this to me, Lord? You know, bad equals God is good. And when we go through these things, we realize, wow, 
God, you are with me. God, you are good. And God, you work all these things together for the good. And, that, and go to the, the next scripture. I mean, you know, this is, in these seasons, Roman eight, Roman, Romans 8 verse 28, 28 says, For we know God causes, causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So we know that God's not necessarily the author of my epilepsy, of your thing, of anyone's challenges, but God's the great redeemer. And that scripture says that he works all things together for the good, for those who love him and are called according to his purposes, because he wants you to get to Rome. But he promises you that getting to Rome is not gonna be without challenges. (laughs) Paul's life was full of challenges. So a biblical perspective of life in God is storms and shipwrecks. That's a healthy biblical perspective. You look at Joseph, he had an amazing dream, but look at his prison life he went through. Um, so getting in the purpose of God, getting to Rome, this is what we, we, um, we're gonna expect, and that's our thing that we hold on. Faith is not a feeling, faith is a conviction that God is good if I don't hear him, because his word is true. And faith is really, faith is really faith when you don't see, when you don't feel, and everything's going against you. That's faith, because that's trust and belief in God, you know? When I think in our, in our Western mindsets, no, faith is, because God is good, I can move the mountains, but you move the mountains because you're dead, you know? And it's like, Lord, I trust you, you know? Uh, in parts. Yes, there are those seasons, but just getting a healthy perspective of that. Um, the, the second one, I just need to look at my time. Where am I? Josh, where am I going to? 10 minutes. Okay, okay, um, next point. Okay, pressing into transformation. Okay, so this is a, a bit of a longer scripture um, in, uh, in Acts um, 28 verse one to, to 10. Okay, that's the next one, yeah. So, so once, they, um, once we were safe on shore, we learned that um, we were on the island of Malta. Once when they were safe on shore, they learned. The people of the island were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy, so he built a fire on the shore to welcome us. And as Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake, driven by by the heat, bit him on his hand. The people of the island saw it um, from his hand and said to each other, a murderer, no doubt. Um, though he escaped from the sea, justice will not prevail for him to live. But Paul shook off the snake into the fire uh, and was unharmed. The people waited for him to swell up and suddenly drop dead. But when they waited for a long time, they saw that he wasn't harmed, but they changed their minds and decided he was a god. (laughs) Near the shore where, they, where, where, where we landed was an estate belonging to Publius, the chief, um, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us and treated us kindly um, for three days. As it happened, Publius' Publius, uh, father was ill with fever and dysentery. Paul went and prayed for him and laying his hands on him, he healed him, and all the other sick people on the island came and were healed. 
As a result, they, showered, they were showered with honors. And when the time came to sail, people supplied us with everything we needed for the trip. How's that, eh? So Paul went from a, a murderer to a god in a snake bite. <laughs> and it reminds me of Mark 20, 28, um, Mark 16, where it says, it'll drink deadly poison and won't harm you, you know? And you'll lay hands on the sick and they will get healed. And this like multi-experience for Paul who's been in prison and shipwrecks. He has this amazing experience on Malta. There's favor, there's food, there's transformation. Um, but obviously not without hardship and faith and a poisonous snake biting you. Um, but Malta affects a lot of our lives, and, um, and, and a lot of us have different losses and things, but, but Malta is a place for transformation and upgrade in our minds. So can you go to the next slide? So when you're at Malta, you feel like a refugee, okay? These guys came, they didn't know where they were, and they were like, oh, okay, this is Malta, you know? Um, so you come and you feel like a refugee. I can just imagine what those... Ukrainians must feel their life. They've had more than a shipwreck. They're crossing the borders, and it's like you're literally a refugee and depending on people, not know whether they're going to kill you or what it is, but you come as a refugee. Um, but next, it's, a, it's really a place of upgrade and opportunity in our perspectives and mindsets. So Malta, we come, but God is giving us an opportunity to really be up, upgraded in our, in our thinking and in our mindset. Now, with me, I, um, epilepsy was always something I hid as a kid. You know, I didn't tell people about it. It was a very shameful thing for me. So I didn't share it with people, my kids. I think I had one in a, um, when we had cricket practice, like baseball practice equivalent, uh, and, um, and then people saw me. But it was a real shameful thing because epilepsy wasn't really known much, and you know, having a seizure is very embarrassing. Um, I even had one in a cinema when I was younger, and I remember getting dragged out in an ambulance in the whole shopping mall. Um, and just, that was just really a shameful thing, you know, that you had. And I always saw it as a really limiting factor in my life. I couldn't do this. God saved me because I couldn't go out drinking with everyone and late night parties because I was scared I could have a seizure. So I was saved from that, uh, although I wasn't a believer. Um, but it was always a shameful thing for me, you know? And then I get in the season, and now shameful thing or limiting factor, you know? Almost liberty, I think, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not mentally strong, you know, this, because of this thing, you know? This ailment or challenge in my life. But literally what happened is this thing came to me and literally tried to take my whole life out, you know? Now I'm in the Paris um, on God's mission, you know, we in COVID, we can't have family because the borders are closed, um, so you can't have, yeah, this thing is literally, are we going to make it, you know, but I realized more and more as I went, I, I've taken nine ambulance trips in 18 months um, to, and spent hours in emergency wards. So, but after probably about four or five, I started realizing that actually this is, um, um, this is, uh, this is actually working out for, for my advantage. I started realizing I'm getting, I'm getting hit down, I'm getting up, and I'm getting emotionally free from the hold of this thing over my life. And I'm starting to get closer and closer with my community 
I'm starting to uh, learn French more. And all of a sudden, it was like, I remember reading Nehemiah 6 where they were trying to get Nehemiah to stop from hanging that thing. He says um, that he's not, I'm, not, I'm doing a good thing and I'm not going to get intimate. And it was this revelation, I remember weeping before the Lord. I was just outside near my apartment. That this thing that's trying to break me is actually making me. That I'm seeing that greater is he that is in me than anything in the world. These seizures are happening. They're out of control. But man, I'm actually getting tougher and tougher. And I'm feeling like this more and more call to the city, more and more in love with the city, more and more in love with these people. It went from like God's mission to go versus God's branding to love. It's like that, that a cow where the farmer just puts that thing in the heat and brands his cattle, you know? And it's like God was branding my heart for this, this place. But not through a place of just pray and praise God, hallelujah, through a place where my life was literally gonna, in the process of like falling apart in a sense. It was like, do I do now many things? Do I leave? Do I go back home? Do, I, do we quit this mission, you know? But I realized more and more that God was using this um, to do great things. Okay, next one, we gotta shoot through this quickly. Our time's going. Okay, <clears throat> so we press into transformation. We get to know God, get to know and hear God in different ways. I got to, God didn't speak to me in the season like he spoke to me the season before. I was just emotionally just clawing my way. He started speaking to me through heroes of the faith, people that have been in their 60s, been through the thing, and they said, you in your finest hour. I'm looking, I'm in my messed hour, but they're saying, you in your finest hour. And like God started speaking wisdom through other people and community. And so it's to look, okay, if the broken Where's Jesus working? If I accept the ship broken, then you get to experience God and his voice in different ways that you didn't before because he's a multifaceted God. The next one is God, God showing his hand in unique ways and unexpected miracles. I mean, my French community that didn't even know the Lord, they were serving, picking me up at the, at the, um, you know, at the uh, hospital. I mean, I started becoming such great friends with these, the people in the community. But if it wasn't, if I wasn't in need and I wasn't suffering, there wouldn't be that intimacy and need for them to come in, you know? You come in, oh, I can help you, but no, God's strategy is you break, or allows you to break, and people help you, and then you get intimate relationships. Kept on doing, um, keep doing what he's called to do. That's the thing with Paul. Paul was circumstantially not in a good place, and you see throughout his life, prison, wherever he was, what did he do? He stayed on the mission of God. He preached the gospel. He shared the stuff. So our circumstances don't define the mission. And, that, and Paul learned suffering. Jesus learned suffering. All these things, when we go through these things and come to Rome, we realize that we're learning more and more and getting more and more tougher to keep the main thing, the main thing, and it's to preach the gospel. Whether it's in hospital, whether wherever it is, keep the main thing, the main thing. And then the last thing in conclusion is the provision revealed. Um, okay, so Acts 28 verse 11 says, it was three months after the shipwreck um, that we sailed on another ship that was wintered at the island, an Alexandrian ship with twin guards at its figurehead. So in other words, this ship was always there. This ship was always there. But when the time was right and the favor was there, a ship was given to them to get back on their mission. 
And when there's Malta, there's transformation, what do we get to do? After three months, we get to, um, transformation allows us to experience and see God's provision. And God is waiting for us to be transformed so we can see the things he has for us, the greater things he has for us because we've gone through the process. And the last thing in there is our purpose is already within us. A lot of us are looking out, okay, where's my purpose? We got this dream, one day I'll get there. But when you're in Christ, that seed of your purpose and destiny is right inside of you. We all have six packs inside of us, right? Or less skin fold. But how do we get to that? We get it in the gym, training, it's resistance. And when the purposes of, when this life comes at us, storms, shipwrecks, multas, it's not that we find our purpose, we find ourselves. We accept ourselves. And then we see the greatness of God that we actually end up living our purpose and we know our purpose. Not because we found it somewhere out there, but because we've discovered ourselves. But self-discovery of the purposes of God only comes one way, unfortunately. And it's embracing the storms, expecting the storms, embracing the shipwrecks, having an upgraded perspective on Malta, that when you get to Rome, you can be effective uh, for the purposes of God. Amen. Um, can I pray for you guys? I'm gonna pray that God would, I think Pastor Josh will come up, he's, he's, the, he's the first thing, you're not gonna get through these storms without Jesus if you haven't given your life to Christ. That's the starting place. And uh, the next thing is that Jesus is not only Savior, but he's Lord. And this process allows us to do that. But I'm gonna pray for you guys just for, that you would not give up, that God would meet you, um, that, he would, that you would press into him. Um, Father, I thank you so much, Lord, for this time together. Just like you said to Paul in Acts 23, that he must take courage, take courage. Lord, I pray for every single person here that no matter what the challenges in their lives are, that area where they wanna jump, where they wanna leave, where they wanna exit, Lord, I pray that they would take courage and hold on to you and allow you to build the process of transformation in them, Lord, as they let go of things, as they forgive as they cast off these burdens, Lord, and give it to Jesus, give it to you, Father, that you will transform them, Father God. I thank you for every single person here, Lord, that you would give them the keys, Father God, to unlock the greatness that is in them, that you've put in them. Every single person in Christ is a leader because the Holy Spirit is in them, Father. As you unlock them, Lord, they can live out those purposes and be a blessing and serve this community. Um, the state, this nation, and the world, Father God. Bless them in Jesus' name. Amen.